Welcome to the Independent Advisors Podcast, where we dive into the world of stocks, tradable markets, and financial planning with Jessup Wealth Management's Chief Investment Officer, Mark McEvely, and CEO, Matt Jessup. You'll hear tips, tricks, and strategies to address your financial well-being, and most importantly, conveyed in a way that everyone can understand. Here are your hosts, Mark and Matt. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 178 of the Independent Advisors Podcast, where Matt Jessup and I, Mark McEvely, bring you everything you need to know from the past week in the world of financial markets and financial planning. So good morning to you, Matt. It's been uh, morning, a Mark. while since me and you have both been sitting here in office recording the podcast on a Thursday morning. So glad we're uh, back to some sort of normalcy routine. here and routine. Yeah, we've been traveling and doing it via Zoom and you know, Nick and Aaron have been on and Taylor. So uh, hopefully get back to a, a more normal schedule here for the next couple of months. Absolutely. And I was just sharing, I'll share with the listeners, um, Jeffrey, the Jessup household elf on the uh, shelf, a, a visitor, uh, visited for the first time this year. And I, as I just shared with you, uh, this year he's come with the Christmas shopping list. Really? Yep. What was on the list? He wants eggnog, <laughs> gingerbread cookies, turkey or ham, amongst other things. Turkey or ham. Has anyone told him it's past uh, Thanksgiving No kidding. I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> next week, I'll update the uh, listeners and viewers with the most uh, obscene thing Jeffrey does. Yeah, interesting. He tends to be a little um, irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah, well, when, when we were talking before this, I said uh, Elf on the Shelf for us when we were little, uh, our Elf did not come with a shopping list, so they must <laughs> be getting smarter and smarter by the year. Yes, I guess the, the elves are keeping up with uh, the trends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, before always, uh, as we uh, begin here, just want to take the first few minutes to recap the performance for the month and the year of the major indexes that we track. And these numbers are as of the market close on November 30th. So uh, just to clarify, uh, this is for the full month of November, and this data is from YCharts. Right. S&P 500 index up 5.4% for the month and down 14.4% for the year. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 5.7% for the month, down only 4.8% for the year now. NASDAQ Composite Index uh, up 4.4% for the month, down 26.7% for the year. The Russell 2000 index, small cap index, up 2.2% for the month, down 15.8% for the year. And the Vanguard All World X United States index, up 13.1% for the month, down 15.3% for the year, Matt. So that's uh, international a pretty that's big yeah, outperformance uh, with international. Um, any comments there? I know it's only one month, but that's pretty strong outperformance over a one-month period. I think this is showing you how strong the U.S. dollar has been, especially the last 12 to 18 months. And you're starting to see that dollar weaken, um, and that artificially you know, raises your, your, your profits overseas mm -hmm. when you convert back to dollars. And I, I think this is a dollar story. I think this is a good sign if you're an individual that wants to see the Fed not raise as much, if you're an individual that wants to see a sign on U.S. inflation coming in, a weakening dollar is something you want to see. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's important to note that, you know, um, most of the world, and I'm just going to use like Europe, for example, their major indices are comprised of more 
or financials, industrials, materials have higher weightings in their indices uh, than than we do because it's been so tech heavy with the outperformance of tech in the U.S. over the past five years. Yep. Um, so that I think is aiding to it as well. Financials, sure. industrials, healthcare, all have been significant outperformers. But I do believe you know what you said is true. Is it, it's kind of all about the dollar right now, and it, we're at an interesting crossroads. And I should have pull, pulled up a chart here if I knew we were going to talk about it, but. The dollar has pulled back to its 200-day moving average, which is a logical place for a bounce usually. Sure. And now on the major indices here in the U.S., especially the S&P 500, we're up against another level of, of resistance, uh, a downtrend that we've hit and, and fallen off of every single time we've hit it this year. This is the fourth time, right? Yes, yeah, the fourth time. So it's kind of interesting to see, are we going to see a further breakdown in the dollar? Are we going to see a rally in the markets or vice versa? Um, but I think either way it goes, that's going to lead the next lag either down or up for the markets. The one chart that I looked at last night, and it was the the 10 year treasury. OK, if I were to show you the chart and not tell you it was the 10 year treasury, you would sit there and say this chart's going lower, meaning the yield's going to come down. Mm -hmm. If I just show you the chart, we just know there's so many dynamics right now out there. I know you're going to talk about some current headlines and events here in a second that are impacting these rates. But it's just interesting because on the on the bond yield charts, looks like they want to come in, but we know that there's more to the story. Right, exactly. Um, and, you know, just to mention, just to lead us into our, our, our rates here, uh, all curves, major curves are, are still inverted, right? So the three-month Treasury rate uh, sitting at 4.37%. Um, oh, excuse me. Now the two-year Treasury rate at 4.38%, uh, yep. so no longer inverted against the three-month, but 10-year uh, still lower, uh, sitting at 3.68%. Um, Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, also known as PCE MAT, which is the Fed's uh, preferred method of inflation, just got released this morning. Um, figures came in plus 0.3% month over month first a uh, plus half percent estimate, so came in lower than expected, which is good. Love that. Um, and then it came in plus six percent year over year, which matched estimates. Um, also uh, due out tomorrow is the November jobs report. And according to the U.S. Department of Labor, the economy added 261,000 new jobs in August. And Argus Research is estimating the November figure to come in at uh, plus about 200,000. Um, and, you know, weaker unemployment numbers or excuse me, weaker employment numbers would bolster the case for smaller interest rate hikes uh, by the Federal Reserve going forward, uh, which Jay Powell actually alluded to yesterday, mm -hmm. saying that the Fed is on track to raise rates by about a half a percent in December, which is lower than than initial estimates. So, uh, yeah, obviously, after this news came out. Uh, stocks finished the day significantly higher with anticipation that the Fed uh, will not have to be as aggressive moving forward with rate hikes. I'll be really curious to see what is said at that uh, December 14th uh, announcement about forward. You know, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. We got a lot going on in December. There's a lot of data coming out. So we're going to have uh, CPI and uh, PCE at the end of the month. 
the Fed uh, on the 14th. Yep. Um, the traditional start of the Santa Claus rally on December 23rd to see how the next year is going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then shortly as we get into the, the first half of the year, the first couple of days of January, you're usually, usually telling on how the year is going to go. So it's going to be uh, pretty heavy in terms of data for us, at least in, in the next couple of weeks here. It will. Uh, and not to be a, a Debbie Downer on that great inflation news that we we got yesterday uh, and today, but um, the, I had the first thing I had was a tweet from Nick Reese, and this was back on August 31st. And I'll have Jenna throw up this uh, this graphic that he tweeted. Um, but he said bear markets tend to be back and loaded with the largest declines coming in the last third. 11 out of 16 times with the average decline in the last third, double that of the first or second third. Of course, we don't know uh, what the duration is going to be, but it's interesting, Matt, if you look at this chart, so, you know, going back to the two most recent examples, yep. uh, 07 to 09, that bear market, the first third was down 15%, second third down 8%. And the last third down 44%, which is more than double the first third, right? Yep. Um, And then, obviously, in 2020, uh, the first third uh, was down 13%, second third down 2%, the third third down uh, about 22%. So if we're going by these numbers, and we're not out of this bear market yet, and we still have another third leg down, this would be approximately another 35% from here. If, um, if it followed if it followed historical averages okay right um so again i'm not in this camp particularly mm-hmm. uh but we just have to be aware that it's it's an option yep. uh, like we were just talking about um you know every single year with where we're at uh on the rate of trend with the s p 500 we've gotten rejected and have gone lower yep uh, most of the time making new lows. Again, we have the dollar index kind of sitting on its 200-day moving average after selling off over the past couple of weeks. So this would be a logical place for uh, stocks to sell off a little bit or to at least take a breather. So we just have to be uh, cognizant of that. I got a piece in a little bit from Argus talking about underlying corporate earnings. And one thing that gives me a little bit of positivity is when you look at corporate earnings and the way that it progressed from 07 to 09, you had a pretty good deterioration in those numbers. We haven't seen that yet for the most part in stocks. Mm -hmm. And so this market is pricing in that that's going to happen in 2023. And if it does not, that's going to be a positive catalyst to the upside. Right, right. Uh, well, I know that, you know, one thing that's in the news right now, speaking of, of earnings that, you know, Apple is already getting out ahead of it with the protests and things going on in China right now that Mm -hmm. their earnings are going to take a hit. So it's going to be interesting to see for when they report for the fourth quarter early next year, if they beat consensus, consensus estimates, because if they do, that's, that'll probably go to show you that things are pretty good. Yeah. Um, and if they don't, it'd be interesting to see how the market reacts. But good example. Good um, example. So second thing I had was a tweet from uh, the Kramer tracker on November 11th. And he just tweeted short Forbes with a picture of <laughs> a Forbes, two Forbes magazine covers, uh, one with Elizabeth Holmes, the founder of Theranos, and one with uh, the founder and CEO of FTX, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. Um, 
So if you ever get asked, Matt, by Forbes to get on the front of a magazine I'm cover, declining. Yeah, he can't do it. He can't do it. So it just goes, and again, for people that forgot or don't know, Elizabeth Holmes uh, actually just sentenced to, I think, 11 years in prison uh, for defrauding investors and you know saying they had this new technology for testing blood uh, that didn't pan out, and, and she was a fraud. And now the same thing with Sam Bankman-Fried with FTX. Uh, again, kind of goes back to the things that we talk about with, uh, you know, when uh, certain things are on covers of, you know, Forbes or Barons. the New York Times or Barron's uh, or the Post that, you know, if they're talking about it and it's mainstream. making this in the mainstream, then it's probably over. Uh, but in this case, when it's people, uh, it's typically... Uh, you know, a couple of months down the road, it's not very good for these people or something's it's not interesting usually right. how that happens. Yeah. And there was a there was a really good uh, podcast. I'll send it to you after this map. But if people want to check it out um, on Meb Faber's podcast. So Meb Faber's a, a, a titan in our industry, a trend follower, a factor guy. Um, he had a short seller on his podcast last week to talk about FTX. And this guy has been short FTX for the last year or two. And it was really interesting to hear him talk about what his thesis was. But just from the beginning, he just felt that, you know, based on the data, that this guy was a fraud and he didn't really know what he was talking about. And he talked about how, you know, typically when you have like really smart people or really accomplished, successful people mm -hmm. is you can, you know, find their credentials really easily. You can find their mentors really easily. And this guy didn't have any of that. So, you know, after this guy dug into the numbers a lot, he was like, you know, this is a ticking time bomb. And he ended up being right. Mm. Um, so I, you might follow him on Twitter. His name is Mark Cahodes. Cahodes I, I probably do. Um, so he's been popular or was made uh, famous for a bunch of his correct short positions on companies that eventually blew up and are no longer with I'm us. I'm going to check out that one, though. Yeah. That, that so podcast very interesting. Yeah. Uh, last thing I had was from the Wall Street Journal uh, article written by Peter Rudiger on October 19th titled Day Traders Go Back to Their Day Jobs as Stock Market Swoons. Um, so these numbers are pretty, pretty big here, Matt. And I think, you know, everyone kind of anticipated people not day trading once the next market sell-off hit because, you know, coming out of COVID, people were taught that it was very easy and all you could do is, is make money, right? It'll happen again, too. I can't wait till it happens again. Yes. Always, always good times. <laughs> right. Uh, and they said that the average daily number of trades, uh, retail trades handled by Charles Schwab fell to 5.52 million in the third quarter, which was the lowest <laughs> level since it acquired TD Ameritrade in late 2020. At Morgan Stanley, retail traders place an average of 805,000 trades a day in the third quarter. That was down 16% from a year earlier and the lowest level since the investment bank bought E-Trade in late 2020. At Robinhood, July was the weakest month for average daily volume for stocks and options trading in company records going back to March of 2021. Quote, last year, we staffed many of our operation functions under the assumption that the heightened retail engagement we had been seeing with the stock and crypto markets in COVID would persist into 2022, Mr. Tenev wrote, which is, he is the CEO of Robinhood. Uh, in this new environment, we are operating with more staffing than appropriate. I guess the only area of trading that is significantly up this year would be the bond market. Right, exactly. And that's not your typical 
just a crypto trader yeah. of the world. So yeah. just thought it was interesting that this stuff has kind of come back down to earth. And um, I think most people thought that that wasn't going to last. But especially with, you know, the people that were making money hand over fist, it was like, you know, we don't know when, but eventually going to be in for a rude awakening. And, you know, it's not as easy as it as it seems to do long term. It is not. So. I can you and I can both attest to that. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. All right, I got, I'm gonna start off with the earnings um, matter that I, that I talked about a couple minutes ago, right? And in general, I just don't think there's enough attention being paid to this, okay? So I'm gonna start with an Argus note from November 25th, and I'm going to uh, read this word for word, okay? The third quarter earnings season continued the trend of decelerating annual growth. While remaining positive, the S&P 500 earnings from continuing operations grew by about 3% year over year in the third quarter of this year. Depending upon the state of fourth quarter earnings to be reported beginning in January uh, 2023, full year 2022 earnings growth will likely be in the mid single to high single digit percentage range. So you pause there. You know, a lot of these stocks are still down 20, 30, 40. In some instances, blue chip names 50%. And you really haven't seen a fall off in their earnings yet year over year. But the stocks are pricing that in that that's going to happen, right? Separate note <laughs> I'll share. This is also from November 25th from Argus. It says, earnings growth may be minimal in the first half of next year as margins are high and the consumer-led economy <clears throat> excuse me, stalls a bit. At the same time, the Fed should be moving to the sidelines and interest rates at the long and short end are unlikely to climb as far and as fast as they did in 2022. This will help equity valuations, which have already come back from nosebleed levels in 2022. Indeed, the bond market often leads the Fed, and investors may be pushing long-term rates lower next year. Likewise, stocks historically have led the economy out of a recession. We've talked about that many times, Mark typically bottoming during the middle of the pullback and then recovering. Giving low level of unemployment, we don't think an economic recession in 2023 will be particularly long or deep, allowing for an earnings recovery in the second half of next year. As well, the third year of the presidential election cycle, Argus has our office bugged, <laughs> historically is a strong year, as the party in power spends to generate electoral momentum. Our initial, uh, you're going to love this, our initial price target for the S&P in 2023 is 4,600, about 14% above current levels. Interesting. So again, I just want to bring focus back to earnings. So we get past December here. What's going to be the talk? You're going to know what the Fed's doing, I think, after the Fed meeting on December 14th. Then the focus is going to be fourth quarter earnings. And that stuff's going to come out mid to late January. So after we get past the middle of December, that's going to be the next kind of focus for the market, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I think the consensus, it sounds like, at least from everyone that I've been listening to, is that, you know, when we do get a recession, it's not going to be long or deep. Um, and I'm just putting it out there. If everybody thinks that, it just Usually makes me opposite. a little nervous that, yeah. <laughs> that either maybe we're not going to go into a recession or it's going to be Real long and worse. Deep. Yeah. So again, that it's just... Again, when we were in, uh, we were at our conference uh, earlier this year. Most, 
economists and analysts there were saying the same thing. Yep. Uh, and I, I hope they're right. I hope yep. it's not long and long and drawn out. Next thing I got is you're going to love this. This is from Ben Carlson. The S&P 500 index is not the U.S. economy. Okay. This is, <coughs> excuse me, a blog post. You all right this morning? Yeah. <laughs> Smoking a couple cigarettes? No. no. <laughs> I am, I, I've been talking all morning. The blog post by Ben Carlson on November 25th. This is, and Jenna's going to put this up for our viewers on uh, YouTube, and these will be in our, in our notes on our social media. He has this chart on his blog, and it shows the difference between goods and services, right? And it shows S&P 500 earnings, how much, things, uh, how much earnings come from producing widgets, right? And how much comes from services. And then it shows U.S. GDP. So... S&P earnings, 62% mark comes from the productions of goods. 38% comes from services. Now look at the U.S. GDP. Only 32% from the production of goods, 59% from services, and 9% other. So what do you make of this? Because sometimes when we talk about how the stock market's not the economy and the economy's not the stock market, Ben's putting some factual data behind this. Right. Right. Your comments. Well, yeah, it's like and he, I think he says this in the art article, but the economy is based on things, you know, consumers do. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think the stock market is based on, you know, what they make and what they sell. And I think that although those can come together and be pretty congruent, it's not always the same. And I think Correct. this is a perfect example of that. Yeah. There could be times where economically Main Street America is stronger than the market and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I like Sam Rowe has a lot of good stuff. If people want to follow a, a blogger, I think he's on Substack. Um, it's T-K-E-R or Ticker uh, okay. is his, his blog. But he's got a lot of good stuff about the economy. I, I do like Sam's stuff. Last thing I got is housing prices. Blog post by Bill McBride on his blog, Calculated Risk, which I talked about a couple of times recently in the podcast. This blog post was also from November 25th. He shows a graph mark of year-over-year -year price changes for the NAR median house prices, Case-Shiller National Price Index, and the FHFA Purchase Only Index. Most of the time, the NAR median price leads Case-Shiller Index, and even though the Case-Shiller September Index will show a solid year-over-year -year gain. Bill says he expects house price growth to decelerate further in the coming months and turn negative year-over-year -year soon. So this chart, I know Jenna's going to put up. My comments, not welcome news for homeowners, but this is good news for inflation and should help the Fed fight it. Okay. Yeah. And good news for uh, people that are looking to buy homes. Good point. Right. It's yeah. been, it's been all in favor of the homeowners for the past several years. It's been and a seller's market. It's going to go back into being a buyer's market, which yeah. is good because we do have a shortage of housing in this country. And I also think you've seen over the past couple of months, mortgage rates come in a little bit. That's been a relief too. Yeah. That's gotten quiet. It's been, I mean, for the past Several months, especially over the summer, it was like every week it sounded like, you know, mortgage rates hit a new high in the past 20 years. And that's started to dwindle a little bit. Which Haven't is seen those in the headlines, have you? Which is great. Which is great. Yep. So, um, 
All right, Matt. Well, I think uh, we're going to leave it there for the week. Anything else before uh, we sign off here? Nope. Yeah. So, all right, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed their Thanksgiving with their family and friends. I hope you have a great week. It was a great weekend for me because Ohio State lost, which handily. Yeah, I'm not a Michigan fan, but I just have a lot of Ohio State friends that are uh, rather rambunctious about <laughs> Ohio good way State. Of saying so uh, not that I'm a Michigan fan. I'm just not an Ohio State fan. So I well, was they were I'll just say one of the very few people they were definitely put in their place. They were. They were. So it'll be interesting to see if they eventually end up making the, the college football playoff or not. But uh, that's for a later date. Yes. Uh, again, thanks, everybody, for listening to episode number 178 of the Independent Advisors podcast. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of the week. And we'll be back with you uh, in about seven days. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Independent Advisors podcast. If you're interested in hearing more, hit the subscribe button so you can be notified every time a new episode gets released. Feel free to share with friends, family, and follow us on Twitter at Jessup Wealth, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Mark and Matt will continue to share beneficial information on these social media sites. Also, check out the podcast tab on their website. That's www.jessupwealthmanagement.com. There you'll find links to every episode of the Independent Advisors. Have questions or topics you want to discuss on the show? Message us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or send an email with the words questions and topics in the subject line to inquiries at jessupwealthmanagement.com. We'll talk about it right here on the podcast. Certain sections of this commentary may contain forward-looking statements based on reasonable expectations, estimates, projections, and assumptions. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve certain risks and uncertainties, which are difficult to predict. All indices are unmanaged and are not available for direct investment by the public. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and does not constitute either tax, legal, or financial advice. Although we do go to great lengths to make sure our information is accurate and useful, we recommend you consult a tax preparer, professional tax advisor, financial advisor, or lawyer regarding your specific circumstances. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. No strategy can guarantee any objective or goal will be achieved. Advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, a registered investment advisor.